Greetings, I'm Brad Thomas, and this is After All is Said and Done. Welcome. After all is said and done, then we will know, won't we? But perhaps we can know now, if we choose to. I mentioned previously about the activity in Iraq. Well, Secretary of State, United States Secretary of State Mike Pompeo, he has now warned Iraq's Prime Minister, Adel Abdul Mahdi, that the United States of America will take measures necessary for its self-defense if attacked. What strong words. What a powerful statement that the United States of America's military will actually be free to defend itself from terrorist attacks within Iraq by Iranian-backed terrorists? Wow, that is just really outstanding. But again, this puts the lie to the claims by the president that the United States of America is so respected and so feared and so forth around the world. Not the case. This is the second major rocket attack of American installation in the past week that occurred that prompted this response from Mike Pompeo. In this one, there were critical injuries to Afghani defenses and, not Afghani, pardon me, Iraqi, to Iraqi defenses, and there were grave injuries to Americans who are being treated in Baghdad. But... To declare that the United States of America will be free, will feel free to defend itself, is just an incredibly, stupendously weak statement. But it supposedly is evidence of our strength. Really something else. Meanwhile, these Iranian-backed terrorist groups, so-called paramilitary groups. In addition to these rocket attacks with Katusha rockets, they have been regularly shelling American bases, coalition force bases throughout Iraq. And the area surrounding the United States Embassy in Baghdad. And that despite the fact that the United States of America took out Iranian General Qasem Soleimani, who is behind this, (laughs) and also Abu Mahdi al-Muhandis, the founder of the Kataib Hezbollah group that is Iranian, if you will, Iranian-backed Iraqi group, but terrorist group. 
just like the Iranian Hezbollah. But Mike Pompeo, he showed them who's the big guy, who's powerful, who's mighty. (laughs) We will defend ourselves. Well, then go ahead and do that. Why don't you? Why don't you (laughs) show that rather than say it? Why haven't you actually had the United States of America respond? But you see, our hands are tied. We are there in Iraq, and we are just advisors to the Iraqi defenses, the Iraqi military. Just insanity is what it is. But it's Trump diplomacy, and prior to that, Barack Hussein Obama diplomacy, and so forth. But just tremendous, yes. All of this thanks to George W. Bush, too, if you want to really go back to the root. Meanwhile, Democrat primaries, the exciting, exciting, thrill-packed Democrat debate took place not in Arizona, but it was relocated to Washington, D.C., out of what they referred to as an overabundance of caution or prudence or whatever they called it. So they moved it. They relocated it to Washington, D.C. And the moderator was changed because the moderator that they had in place, he had some kind of question with regard to COVID-19, coronavirus, namely that he had seemingly been exposed to it. But the exciting debate went on. The show must go on. It went on last night, I believe, last evening, last night. In the nation's capital, this auspicious occasion. Well, what is it that's taking place tomorrow on what is termed St. Patrick's Day? St. Patty's Day. It's supposed to be a day marking the birth of Patrick, the Brit, who served in Ireland after having been kidnapped, taken to Ireland, enslaved in Ireland, then escaping, going back to England, and having a incredible uh, visitation from God and being directed to go back to Ireland, and he did in later years, and he evangelized Ireland, a very, very great, great man of the faith, but patron saint of Ireland, so-called, St. Patrick. St. Patrick's Day is supposed to be in commemoration of his birth, but instead, what is it? St. Patty's Day, you know, a day for drunken festivities and uh, so forth. But of course, in the brave new United States of America of the last two days or so, courtesy of the president, since he made his announcement on Friday, I guess it was, now, now things have changed. But in any case, these primaries are taking place on St. Patrick's Day. 
and they are taking place in Florida, Illinois, Ohio, and Arizona. Illinois is jam-packed with delegates, not compared to California. California had 415 delegates all by itself. Illinois, the land of Lincoln, so-called. Chicago, the third major media market in the United States of America and a major commerce center in the heartland of America has a mere 155 delegates. Ohio, that political powerhouse state that is not all that large, but it is politically powerful, it has 136 delegates. So 19 less than Illinois. Florida, the land of spring breaks, sun worshipers instead of Christians, and retirement communities and nudist communities and many other excitements there, entertainments and so forth, 219 delegates. So the heavyweight of this group is Florida. Meanwhile, Arizona lags badly behind at 67 delegates. But you put them all together, And the grand total, by my count, is 577 delegates. So even though I haven't seen or heard any news about Joe (laughs) O'Biden, you know, for Patrick's Day, O'Biden, Obama O'Biden, no word about Joe, no word about Bernie Alinsky Sanders, like his uh, (laughs) mentor, if you will, Saul Alinsky, his patron saint, Saul Alinsky or Karl Marx or what have you. No word about them. No word about Liz Warren. Is she going to endorse someone? Is someone going to tap her, of all people, for their VP running mate? Why would they do that? But anyway, no word about those things. And yet tomorrow is the big day for these power-packed Democrat primaries. No word about it. Meanwhile, fascinatingly enough, one website that I checked, which had shown previously, last time I checked it a few days ago, It had shown that Georgia's Democrat primary had been moved. Moved from March 24th all the way to May 19th. But now, now they're showing it, as far as I can make out, back on March 24th. So there may have been a change there, change of... uh, of thinking with regard to that. But tomorrow, Florida, Illinois, Ohio, Arizona. Should be fascinating. You know, after the president's, dare I say, panic uh, measures that have been instituted, that 
People should avoid groups of 10 people or more. Now, the Centers for Disease Control the other day, Sunday, issued its recommendation, which was to avoid groups of 50 or more. But the president has made that 10 people or more in line with what Israel is doing. But so exciting. It will be so exciting to find out what transpires tomorrow. Meanwhile, on a different note, perhaps you recall a certain outstanding athlete, gold medal Olympian. He with his brother, Leon Spinks and Michael Spinks. And these two outstanding Olympian boxers, they received so much grief, amazingly enough, instead of honor, so much grief. But Leon went on to defeat Cassius Clay, a.k.a. Muhammad Ali, in 1978 and take the heavyweight championship of the world. Leon Spinks is now 66 years of age. He's been diagnosed with cancer. He had three rounds of chemotherapy, but the cancer metastasized into his bones. He was given a death sentence. His doctor told him that he had about two weeks to live. That was in November. But Leon is still fighting for his life. As his wife said, quote, he's a champion. He's going to keep fighting. And I recommend you pray for Leon Spinks. Another statement by his wife. Quote, I'm just so happy that he's here. And we're just going to keep working at making things better. We're not going to give up. We're not throwing in the towel. End quote. So please remember Leon Spinks, Leon and his wife Brenda, in your prayers. Meanwhile, more famous celebrities, more famous than Leon and Michael put together, Tom Hanks, and his wife, Rita Wilson, who appeared with Tom in a number of the movies that he made. She was in Sleepless in Seattle. I don't know when he met her. I haven't read this story. you know, But they were diagnosed as having coronavirus, and or tested positive for it for COVID-19 and they were hospitalized in Australia. Australia where Tom is specifically with regard to production of a movie. A movie about Elvis Presley. But five days after 
going into the hospital. They have now left this Queensland hospital, and they are in a rented home. And hopefully on the mend. So I recommend the same thing for them. I recommend you pray for Tom Hanks and his wife, Rita Wilson. Meanwhile, the president, President Trump, President Trump, up until the end of last week, was engaged in full-blown denial, trivializing the coronavirus, COVID-19, pandemic, unnamed pandemic until Wednesday when the World Health Organization finally stated it was a pandemic. But the president was in denial about that, as was the World Health Organization. So he he was in good company, you could say. And then he, you know, did some soul searching. What should he do? He was... Painted into a corner, given what he had said over and over again about the coronavirus, he <laughs> was in a bad place. You know, if he changed that, if he made an announcement of an emergency, a national emergency, that would contradict what he had been saying. So it just was difficult to do. But after the World Health Organization finally, belatedly, announced the determination that it was indeed a pandemic because it had traveled around the world, it had infected people in every nation on every continent, except for Antarctica, then then the pressure mounted. That with complaints from Republican and Democrat members of Congress about there not being tests available for coronavirus, for COVID-19 here in the United States of America. And the White House, Team Trump, they just continued with their Keystone Cops routine. And then finally, on Friday the 13th, what more auspicious date, President Trump declared that there was a state of national emergency. with reference to the coronavirus pandemic, COVID-19. And (laughs) just extraordinary, the statements from the president, from Team Trump, from his administration. But he stated that, quote, To unleash the full power of the federal government, I am officially declaring a national emergency. End quote. 
Now, I don't know if that sounds this way to you or not, but to me, it almost sounds like, or it does sound like, in essence, he's saying it's not really an emergency, but in order to bring the full power of the federal government to bear, I need to declare it a national emergency. It just, it sounds that way to me. That may not have been what he meant to say, but that's the way it came across to me. But, again, this following the very belated statement on Wednesday delivered by World Health Organization Director General Tedros Adhanom Ghebreyesus that, yes, there was a pandemic. Well, the president, he's kind of an all-or-nothing guy. And you know That's one thing that I don't mind about him. (laughs) It's very much the way I am. All or nothing. In so many respects, nothing. (laughs) But all or nothing. And here the president, he not only was nothing, it was a complete denial, refusal to recognize this pandemic. And then he goes 180 degrees (laughs) Turnabout, just extraordinary, about face. So the president, today, March 16th, after the stock market was experiencing a terrible day, the president jumped in and he said, that this outbreak, the worst of the outbreak, it could last on until August or beyond, maybe six months, maybe half of a year. And furthermore, that this nation may be heading into a recession. Guess what happened? The bottom fell out. (laughs) He just, he made it worse. It was already, the stock market was having a terrible day. (laughs) And it turns into the worst day since the Black Monday market crash way back in 1987 during the presidency of Ronald Reagan. But just amazing, this president, that the United States of America may be sliding into recession. He went on to say that he... Donald Trump, the president, Donald Trump Sr., that he was focused more on the virus than the economy. Really? Well, how do you like them apples, huh? I mean, that just happens to fly directly in the face of (laughs) evidence to the contrary. But beyond that, he said the following, quote, We have a problem that a month ago nobody ever thought about, end quote. May I quote that one more time? Repeat that. Quote, we have a problem that a month ago, one month ago, nobody ever thought about, end quote. Interesting statement. Typical Trump statement horrendously false 
at the very, very, very most diplomatic, I will say it is horrendously intellectually dishonest as compared to an outright lie, (laughs) which I view it as. But nobody ever thought about this a month ago. Well, I know I was referring to it as a pandemic more than two months ago. But (laughs) the communist Chinese regime was dealing with it (laughs) back in December of 2019. But up until a month ago, nobody ever thought about it, according to this president. So you see, he's really not that far behind the ball. You know, he's not that late to the table, right? (laughs) Oh, he's more focused on the virus than on the economy. Really? Well, just a very short time ago, word came out that this president, just this prior week, that he had been fuming and fussing and (laughs) just blowing his stack that Federal Reserve Chairman Jerome H. Powell wasn't doing more to stimulate the economy. While President Trump's Team Trump did everything it could with sleight of hand to deny the coronavirus. And Trump furiously stated that Powell should never have been appointed and that Powell was damaging the nation and Trump's presidency. Oh, but now, now, days later, President Trump is more focused on the virus than the economy. Really? Well, before I continue, let me just say this. I'm Brad Thomas, and this is After All is Said and Done. And whatever is right and true and good in these programs is thanks to God Almighty and His Holy Son, Jesus Christ. Whatever's lacking, erring, deficient, that is due to me. That is on me. That is my fault. But again, back to the good president here. So he goes from, and in a matter of a couple days, just a total tipping point, tilt, about face, from complete denial and trivializing this to coming out with these extraordinary statements that reckless statements (laughs) that this may continue on through August and we may be heading into a recession. Why would he say such things, really? Well, My take on it is very simple. It is this. That even though this president has been scared spitless to admit the reality of the pandemic, 
scared spitless about that because of the economic fallout, because of how that's going to affect the economy and as a result of affecting the economy detrimentally, devastatingly, that it would affect his presidential re-election campaign devastatingly. But he reached a crisis point. The World Health Organization belatedly admitted that this had touched every part of the world, virtually, and was growing rather than receding. Yes, seemingly growing much more slowly, much less Uh, what would you call it, Uh, horrendously (laughs) in communist China? But everywhere else, just the opposite. In Italy, in France, in Washington State, in the United States of America, now in New York, as soon as (laughs) we had the first fatality mentioned in New York, and New York had more cases than Washington, it was a foregone conclusion, there would soon be many more fatalities in New York, and there have been. Just in the last couple days, six more, after naming their first. But the president, he found himself in a position where he could either go on trying vainly to deny it, And being disowned, if you will, by his own party. And his lies, his denials, and so forth would come back to haunt him and be used against him for the entire remainder of the presidential campaign. So, he made a decision, a bold decision, Hmm. pragmatic decision, better (laughs) cut my losses here and completely change tactics, completely change strategy, completely change message, and not only admit that there's a problem, Declare a national emergency and get out in front of it and control the message and make one huge announcement after another, after another, after another, and suck all the oxygen out of the room and take all of the attention away from everybody else. And go from partying hardy in Mar-a-Lago just over a week ago where he (laughs) apparently, by all rights, should have been exposed to this. But hey, he's got a strong constitution. To now waging war against it. National state of emergency. 
and on it goes, which I will be talking about his various steps that he's taking. But it was a political decision. Make no mistake about that. Courtesy of his presidential advisors, courtesy of consultants, campaign consultants, and others, he was persuaded or he came around to it to recognizing he had to finally face it. Now, this pandemic. It is a pandemic because it has touched the world. It has circumnavigated the world. It has reached all the way around the world to every continent except Antarctica. And so very many nations and spreading throughout nations and increasing by leaps and bounds. But, make no mistake about it, it's not like the bubonic plague or the Black Death. The death rate, the mortality rate, overall death rate, ranges somewhere between 3% to 6%. And those at greatest risk At greatest danger are the elderly, the aged, those who are ill with disease, those who have compromised immune systems. Myself, for instance, I'm at much more risk than a great many people in this nation and around the world. But that doesn't mean that I think that the government should go into big brother mode and martial law mode and bring everybody's lives to a screeching halt to try to diminish risk to me because I don't feel that way. But I have been incensed that... (laughs) The Trump administration, headed up by the president, Donald Trump Sr., has completely, utterly, totally refused to face this thing and to call it what it is (laughs) for months. And, (laughs) oh well, meanwhile. But he's more concerned about the virus than the economy. More concerned about the virus than re-election. You could say. But, yes. (laughs) And such a short time ago, less than a week ago, he was fuming and fussing over the chairman of the Federal Reserve damaging his presidency by failing to sufficiently stimulate the economy to keep it from crashing due to the coronavirus. Oh, well. 
Meanwhile, Trump's team, they are preparing a rescue package of something less than a trillion dollars, all right? 800 billion or more, whatever, and that this will be used to stimulate the economy. This will be used to help out companies, businesses that are in severe straits, such as restaurants, restaurants, bars, and so forth, that are being shut down in so many states and courtesy of recommendations even from the White House. You know. Retailers that have been dying on the vine for a number of years courtesy of <laughs> online shopping, but also helping out professional sports and what have you. But Team Trump is going to roll out this package that will include tax deferments, loans, direct payments, infusions of huge amounts of money to airlines so that they won't all go belly up. And so forth. But, and the sectors, the other sectors in the economy that are most directly, devastatingly affected tourism, hospitality, in the form of restaurants and bars and what have you. But, meanwhile, I mentioned previously about this. Package, this relief package that was put together by the U.S. Senate, the U.S. House of Representatives, that they had agreed, they had voted it, and were moving it on to the White House. But lo and behold, there's a hiccup there. And Speaker of the House Nancy Pelosi and Treasury Secretary Stephen Mnuchin are working out the details. This package is very, very different from that matter of that bill, that legislation, to try to prevent the president from taking action in the form of war powers against Iran. But totally different. And this package is separate from Team Trump's package, which is something less than $1 billion. Meanwhile, in retail politics, Mitt Romney, Mitt Romney, who cast of his two votes that he cast with regard to impeachment in the Senate, he cast one to convict and one not to convict, but and earned the everlasting hatred of a great many Republicans. But Mitt Romney, he has been working with his group, his team, his staff to come up with measures to help 
the American people relative to this emergency, this coronavirus emergency. And he has proposed that all American adults receive $1,000 each to help them and many other, many other ideas that he will be rolling out in the next couple days. Meanwhile, an individual, a non-government individual, a non-public servant, just a guy, just a guy, a guy who goes to the bar in Columbus, Ohio, to Coach's Bar and Grill, a regular customer who goes there on Wednesdays to play trivia. It was closing night after everyone had seen on TV as Ohio's Governor Mike DeWine issued an order that all restaurants and bars in the state close, shut down to prevent the spread of the novel coronavirus, COVID-19. And it was devastating, disheartening, demoralizing, depressing to those there. Well, this man, this anonymous man, chose to remain anonymous. He had eaten and drunk, and he had a tab of, a, of less than $30. And he enclosed a tip, a tip of $2,500 to be divvied up between the servers there. And (laughs) this is not government action. This is not a matter of taking taxpayer dollars. This is not a matter of using other people's money. This man gave $2,500 of his money to help these people out. After hearing that this bar was going to be closed down by order of the governor. Meanwhile, the guidelines from the president that the following, quote, My administration is recommending that all Americans, including the young and healthy, work to engage in schooling from home when possible. Avoid gathering in groups of more than 10 people. Avoid discretionary travel. And avoid eating and drinking in bars, restaurants, and public food courts. End quote. Well, there are many other things, too. Many exciting things. Yes. For instance, President Trump is considering recommending enacting quarantines, so-called, for hot spots. That is where there has been a considerable coronavirus, COVID-19 outbreak. Beyond that, he says it's not nationwide. It will be specific. It will be targeted. You know, a rifle approach instead of a shotgun approach. It's just very, very strategically targeted. But meanwhile, there are ongoing discussions 
within his administration to encourage, encourage, mind you, a curfew across the nation on non-essential businesses to be determined by, you know, some bureaucrats. <laughs> this to combat the coronavirus pandemic. But speaking of quarantines, I thought this was so fascinating. I saw about a national quarantine center. National quarantine center. How large do you imagine that would be? Would it be, would they be able to accommodate, I don't know, 20,000 people? No. How about 10,000? No, 2,000. No, 200. How about 20? It is a 20-bed facility. And it is referred to as the National Quarantine Center. (laughs) It's in Omaha, Nebraska. But uh, I just thought, you know, if you're going to have quarantine, where is it going to take place? The hospitals will be overrun, as they are in Italy. The hospitals will be overrun. The hospitals here in the United States of America are setting up operations outside of the hospitals, outside of emergency rooms. Where is the quarantine going to take place? The National Quarantine Center can accommodate 20 patients. I just send them to Mars, send them to the moon at least, right? Oh, but uh, meanwhile, the United States Health and Human Services, it was attacked. Its computer system was attacked. It suffered cyber attack intended apparently to prevent response to this pandemic. But so the president has stated, you know, that older Americans, they should stay home, (laughs) right? Well, I'm doing my part as best I can. But (laughs) meanwhile, in San Francisco, There is a shelter-in-place order that has been issued. Quote, effective at midnight, San Francisco will require people to stay home except for essential needs. That was tweeted. And I'm thinking, well, wait a minute. Yes, I know. Bay Area, California and Silicon Valley, California. Yes. Very high tech and undoubtedly a very large percentage of people use the Internet. But is that the way to communicate it? This was issued by the mayor of San Francisco, a woman named London Breed. It almost sounds like, dare I say, it's kind of an adult film star name, isn't it? And I'm that's a a euphemism, you know, a porn star name is what it sounds like to me. I'm sorry, it's just the way it sounds. London breed, but anyway, she tweeted it. Why didn't she give a press conference? She may have, but the reasonable thing to do is have a press conference, state it to the press. Members of the press representing radio stations, television stations, the newspapers, what have you. And then they can tweet it all they want. 
you know, after they <laughs> put it on the radio, on TV, in the newspapers, they can tweet away. But instead, it apparently was issued by tweet. I mean, this is just the most idiotic way of doing things. But after all, it's the way the president operates. <laughs> yes, if you can call that operating. But, quote, necessary government functions and essential stores will remain open. But individuals are asked to avoid all gatherings, all gatherings, not just of 10 or more, but all gatherings except for medical purposes, to get food, or for work reasons. Well, hey, what about the uh, drug addicts getting together for medical purposes, medical, maybe medical marijuana and, you know, some other things like that. Anyway. Remarkable. The much maligned Chick-fil-A, before any mandatory government-ordered declarations, Chick-fil-A announced that it would be shutting down its dining room seating in order to limit person-to-person contact. And that some locations would be offering drive through service, Others would be offering takeout, delivery, or mobile orders in addition to drive through But no more eating in. Well, of course, courtesy of the president. I mean, all the restaurants, you know, they, sh- they should just all close. Meanwhile, the airlines, they are taking it on the chin. And it has been posited that many, many airlines will need government bailouts within the next few weeks or several weeks at the most or face bankruptcy. Well, I expect Jeff Bezos to buy an airline or two, don't you? And a cruise line or two. I do. You know, for pennies on the dollar. But the European Union has proposed a ban on non-essential travel to Europe. Uh, It is... They are seeing to it that the U.K. is exempted. But the only people that would be allowed to travel are those that are involved in fighting the pandemic, healthcare workers, scientists, and uh, those coming back to the EU, and frontier workers who commute across the EU. Trudeau, Canadian Prime Minister Justin Trudeau, who is, yes... He is staying at home with his wife because his wife uh, tested positive. But he is closing Canada's borders, kind of, sort of, to non-citizens. They've restricted their airports for international travelers <laughs> to down to four major airports. I wonder how many they have for international travel. But anyway, he is allowing people from the United States of America still to travel into Canada. Not me, but others. Because of the level of integration of our two great economies. And France's President Emmanuel Macron, he said the army would be drafted to help move the sick to hospitals as they impose national restrictions. But here we are. (laughs) 
at this point in time. Just such a short time after this turnabout. And instead of taking measured responses, instead of taking reasonable actions going back two and a half months ago, instead now panic response, everything short of martial law. And it could be coming. Fully expect such exciting developments as that in the near future. And the question is, is that how this nation's leadership should respond? Should it be the bully, big brother government response? I'm Brad Thomas, and this is After All is Said and Done. After all is said and done, then we will know, won't we? But perhaps we can know now if we choose to. Thank you.